0: My name is Clay Baker, I'm the Burlington Campus Pastor. It's my privilege to be preaching to you on this Christmas Eve. You know, if there's any of you uh, in here that are fans of the movie series Mission Impossible, you know that at the beginning of each movie, super agent Ethan Hunt receives an audio recording that begins with the words, your mission should you choose to accept it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. And then it goes on to describe some seemingly impossible mission of the highest stakes involving matters of life and death. What we're going to see here tonight in our passage is that we too, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we too have a mission. It is a seemingly impossible mission. It involves matters of life and death. And we all must ask ourselves, am I going to accept it? We're going to be in Acts chapter 1 tonight, Acts chapter 1, that's on page 713 of your auditorium Bible if you want to follow along. We're going to be looking at the last words that Jesus gave to his followers before he ascended to heaven to take his place on his throne at the right hand of his heavenly father. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's kind of an odd place for a Christmas Eve message, kind of an odd thing to study. I mean, shouldn't we be studying the birth?" Of Jesus? Well, you're right, and we are. But if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we've been studying Jesus' birth and his death and his resurrection and now his ascension. And we're doing that to underscore or highlight that Jesus' coming, his birth, is not just significant because God took on flesh and became man, and that is significant, but it's also significant. Because of what God the Son came to do, and what He did do, and what He is now doing through us, through His church, His people, and what He will be doing through us until the day He returns. You know, whether it's December or July, all of us at one point or another, we ask ourselves, what's the meaning of life? Like, why am I here? What's the purpose? And I think we all want to be living for something that's bigger than ourselves. And tonight we're going to see what that something bigger is. The seemingly impossible mission from God of the highest stakes. A mission that would be impossible if we had to do it in our own strength. But thankfully, we serve a God who doesn't leave us to ourselves, but gives us his very power to accomplish his mission, and with God, nothing is impossible. So we're going to look at three things tonight. We're going to look at what this mission is, we're going to look at how it's going to be accomplished, and we're going to consider what our part is in this mission. So first, what is the mission? Well, let's look at verse 8 of chapter 1 in Acts, the second part of verse 8, Jesus tells his followers... You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. The mission is to be witnesses of Jesus, for Jesus, to the end of the earth. Starting with the disciples in Jerusalem, crossing geographic boundaries and crossing cultural boundaries. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is to go out from Jerusalem through the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria into the ends of the earth. That's the mission. The gospel going out to people of all tribes, tongues, and nations all over the world. And the primary task here is witness. Jesus' followers are to be witnesses. Now, what do witnesses do? Witnesses report on what they have seen and what they have heard. And so what have Jesus' followers seen and heard of him? Well, they've seen this man Jesus perform many miracles. They've seen him heal. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him control the weather. They've seen him feed the multitudes with just a few fish and loaves of bread. Many amazing, miraculous things. What have they heard from him? Well, they've heard things like I am the bread of life and I am the living water and I am the resurrection and the life and I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. They heard these things from Jesus. Remarkable things. And they saw him live a life of absolute purity, absolute holiness, absolute devotion Love for his heavenly father and love for people. They saw these things, they heard these things, they saw him live in this way, and they saw him die. They saw him arrested, falsely accused, insulted, mocked, ridiculed, beaten, tortured, stripped naked nailed hoisted up on a rugged wooden cross they saw him hanging there in agony for hours they saw him die and they saw him rise again he was buried in a tomb but on the third day he came out of that tomb and he walked among them and he talked with them and he ate with them, and he drank with them, and he was living once again with them. And then, and then, he opened their eyes to understand Scripture, and then they knew. Then they knew who he was. They knew that he was the long-awaited, long-prophesied Messiah, their Savior, their King, They knew that John the Baptist was right when he declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They knew that this was the capital L Lamb of whom Isaiah prophesied. The Lamb that would be led to the slaughter, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by whose wounds we are healed. This, this, good news. This is what they were to witness to. This was the substance, this was the content of their witnessing. Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his work, his salvation that he offers through faith in him. And they're to take this testimony, they're to do this witnessing all over the world. the very ends of the earth. That's the mission. That's the mission, to be witnesses of Jesus to the end of the earth, a seemingly impossible mission. How could it possibly be accomplished? Because you see, there was nothing special about this group of people that he gave this mission to. They were not elites. They were not Ethan Hunt's. And if we're honest with ourselves, there isn't much special about us either. We're not elites. We're ordinary men and women. How could we possibly proclaim Jesus to the ends of the earth? Thankfully, we're not alone. Praise God, he doesn't leave his followers to themselves. He didn't leave his disciples to themselves. You see, before he gave them a mission, He gave them a promise. Let's take a look at verse 8 again, this time the beginning. Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus does not expect his people to accomplish his mission on their own, he gives them his spirit, the Holy Spirit. His power to empower them to do it one of the distinctives of christianity is that we believe in one god but we believe this one god exists in three eternal persons god the father god the son that's jesus and god the holy spirit and that each person is fully god Here in this scene, in Acts chapter 1, we have a picture of God the Son about to ascend to be at the right hand of God the Father. And he's telling his disciples he's going to send down God the Holy Spirit to empower them, to be with them. Think of the magnitude of this for a moment. God himself In people Emmanuel God with us God in us the same power that worked through Jesus miracle working power, resurrection power, ascension power, Jesus is telling his followers that power, his power, the power of God is going to come and empower them You see, throughout the Old Testament, we saw the Holy Spirit. You can see the Holy Spirit come upon God's people at certain times for certain purposes in certain ways for a time. But the Old Testament prophets, they foretold a day when the Holy Spirit would manifest himself more fully and actually live within all of the people of God. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what's coming. That was just around the corner for his followers that day on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And if you read on in Acts, you would see that's exactly what happened. These followers of Jesus were all gathered in Jerusalem for the holiday of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came down from heaven in power and filled them in marvelous ways and they went about doing miraculous things, the very same things that Jesus had done with the very same power and effectiveness. One of the most, uh, well, I think one of my favorite examples of that was Peter. You see, Peter had shown himself to be a coward. Just a few weeks earlier, Peter, When Jesus was arrested, when it was no longer safe to be a follower of Jesus, Peter denied Jesus three times. Denied that he had anything to do with him. And this same Peter, once he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he got up and he preached one of the most powerful sermons recorded in Scripture, a sermon that resulted in 3,000 men and women proclaim faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. That's not the power of Peter. That's the power of God. That's the power of God working in and through Peter. And it's the same power, the same spirit that lives in and is at work in you and me, those of us who believe in Jesus. It's the same spirit. The same spirit that empowered Jesus and the apostles is living in us who believe, and he empowers us to carry out God's mission of being witnesses for Jesus to the end of the earth. So that's how the mission is accomplished. Not in our power, we're ordinary folks, but in the very power of God working in and through us. So, what's our part in this mission? What are we to do? Because you might be thinking right now, I'm no Peter. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a healer. I'm not a miracle worker. (laughs) How is the Spirit of God working in me? How is he empowering me? What am I supposed to do? Well, let's consider first what we are not supposed to do. Let's read on in our passage, verses 9 through 11. When Jesus had said these things, as the disciples were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, these are angels, by the way, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand there looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So do you get the picture here? Jesus had just given his mission to his followers and then he's raised up before their very eyes in his resurrection body. It's going up to heaven and he disappears in a cloud of glory and the followers are all just kind of standing there looking up. And then these two angels walk up and they basically say, guys, what are you doing just standing around? What are you doing just standing here? You saw him go, didn't you? You didn't miss it, did you? Well, guess what? He's coming back. You're not going to miss that either. So why don't you go about on the mission that he just assigned you? Now, they had to wait for the Holy Spirit, of course. They needed the Spirit to accomplish anything. But once they had the Spirit, they were to move out. They were to move out on God's mission in His power to reach the nations with good news for His glory. In other words, they were not to do nothing. They're not to do nothing. You know, some of us, I think, are like the disciples in that time. Some of us are just kind of living our lives like we're standing still and looking up. We're looking up because we know about Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we might even be looking for his coming, and that's a good thing, but we're standing still. We've got this great news, and we're not doing anything with it. We're not living in light of it. And some of us are like the opposite. We're not standing still. We're moving all around. We're hustling and bustling. We're running here and there, but we're looking down. We're looking down like while we run at the things of the world and the things of ourself. Jesus doesn't want us looking up and standing still, and He doesn't want us looking down and running around. He wants us looking out. At the gospel opportunities all around us, and then in the power of His Holy Spirit that He gives us, that lives in us who believe in Him, He wants us to move out and meet those gospel opportunities. So, what does that look like for you? We've got a mission, we've got the power to do it. What does it look like for you? I don't know. Now, at this point, you're like, what's this all about? What's this, what's this message? I don't know. What I mean is, I can't tell each and every one of you what God has for each and every one of you, because the God who lives in you, he works in different ways in each and every one of us. He's gifted us in different ways, and he works through us in different ways. And I'm not making this up. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, there are varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities, but the same spirit empowers them all. So, maybe you teach Sunday school. Or maybe you evangelize at the county jail. Or maybe you foster. Or maybe you mentor youth. Or maybe you give generously of your finances. Or maybe you write encouraging notes. Ask God to show you what he has for you and ask him to fill you with his power to do it, to do it for his glory. Now you might be thinking, well, what do those things have to do with reaching the nations to the end of the earth? Like those are pretty local activities. Is Iowa not part of the earth? It's a long way from Jerusalem, isn't it? If you are witnessing for Jesus in Iowa through your words and through the way you live, then you are part of accomplishing the mission. The end of the earth includes here. But this isn't it, this isn't everything. You see, the mission is not complete. We've got a lot of churches in the United States of America. We've got a lot of ministries. We've got a lot of opportunities for people who are here to hear the good news of Jesus and respond in faith and be saved. But there are places all over the world, huge swaths of territory encompassing billions of people, places like North Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and others, where Jesus is not proclaimed, where there are no or very few witnesses for him, where they know about Christmas, but they don't know that we're celebrating the birth of someone, a Savior, who came to die for them so that they may live. They don't know these things, they're not hearing these things. Billions of people. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10. That people cannot call on Jesus if they don't believe in him. And they can't believe in him if they've never heard of him. And they can't hear of him unless somebody tells them. And no one's going to tell them unless they are sent. And then he writes, How beautiful are the feet! Of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet! The feet that go. The feet that go and witness for Jesus to the end of the earth. Some of us are called to go. At Harmony, we've got a field staff team of missionaries, we've got over a dozen of them. And they've been called and they've answered that call and they've gone from southeast Iowa to these places where Jesus is not known. And the harvest is ripe. The field is ripe. And Jesus tells us to pray for more workers, laborers to go out into that harvest field. And so Lord willing, we will see more and more people from here, from Harmony, from southeast Iowa, go and witness for Jesus over there. But even if you're not called to go, you're still called to be part of the mission here. Your work in Iowa, it matters. You see, if someone is going to go from here, they need to first be evangelized here. They need to place their faith in Jesus here. And they need to be taught in Sunday school here. And they need to come to church here. And they need to worship with us here. They need to grow up in the Lord here. And they need to be sent with our financial resources that we have here in abundance. And they need to be sustained by our prayers here. You see, even if you are here in Iowa, and the people of Iowa are absolutely included in God's mission, we must remember that the mission includes all people, everywhere. And we're all called to do our part in the power of the Spirit to see that Jesus is known and worshipped everywhere. That's our mission should we choose to accept it. To be witnesses of Jesus here and over there. To speak of him and to live for him. And it seems impossible, but it's not impossible because the very power of God lives in us who believe and enables us and inspires us and empowers us to accomplish his mission. So in whatever way the Spirit leads you and empowers you, you are to live on mission for Jesus with your words and with your actions here And over there. We're to look for the gospel opportunities that are all around us. All around us. And in the power of the Spirit, we're to move out and meet those opportunities until we pass from this earth or the Lord calls us home. And to quote my favorite character from my favorite Christmas movie, That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Let's pray.